What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games <laughs> Daily. I leaned back and I, Andrea was just getting set. I was like, how great would it be if I just said something horrible right now? And the can because Kevin was like, the mics are live. And I leaned back to cough and I was like, what if I just said something terrible? <laughs> but you didn't. I, did, I never you would. You know what I mean? They're not going to fucking catch me. All right. <laughs> this is Kind of Funny Games Daily for Thursday, 7 11, 2019. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the busiest lady in the business, Andrea Renee. What's good? Greg. You being here two days in a row. I know, right? I know, right? It's almost like I'm part of the team. Okay, don't be like that. You're <laughs> definitely part of the team. Everybody knows that. Right, yeah, 100%. Well, I finally just got on the kind of funny slag, which is amazing what? after being here for over two years. No, I, I just assume nobody wants it. You know what I mean? Why would you want that? Because you're just going to use it to talk to Joey. The real talk, the reason why I asked Joey for access to the slack finally is because I was on the internet yesterday doing some work and I came across a post that the go. new uh, that the Taco Bell in Pacifica yep. this fancy one on the beach has been remodeled and it's brand new and they're reopening it this weekend cantina. and it's a cantina Woo! and they've got Frosés and Baja Blast <laughs> yeah. and I was like Joey we gotta go and I needed to send her this link so urgently about this Taco Bell that I was like Joey add me to the Slack See, that's what I enjoy about this is that the, uh, this news broke on my Slack as well. Not from Kind of Funny, but from Jen talking to Lucy. Because oh. we share a Slack as well. Horse legs, of course. Where <laughs> they, they over there, they talk about whatever. And this is what was breaking news as well legs? yesterday. You can't just say horse legs. And well, just walk away. Kevin, if you would have come to Tim's 30th birthday roast, you'd understand. Or if you watched the video, you'd understand. But you didn't. Sure, you I didn't did. watch the video, Kevin? No, why would I want to watch this? Because we talk people? about you. I know. Months. That's exactly that's why I want to watch it. He's going to get it. But enough about that. Today, we're going to talk about Switch having a CPU update and the fact that a pro ain't coming time soon. Uh, there's a Man of a Day update, uh, and there's a new Call of Duty thing. This is what we're going to talk about, because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show, patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. If you are over there. You can give us your questions, comments, concerns, everything else under the video game sun. Then tune in to watch it live on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. If you're watching live, you have a special job. Go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, and listening on podcast services around the globe. Housekeeping for you today, there is a live recording of the PlayStation VR show episode 3 and the Kind of Funny Woo. Games cast this afternoon at patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. So, you could watch this show, you could watch uh, the next show, which is Internet Explorers, then you can keep watching the VR show, then you can watch GamesCast, you can spend the entire day with us. You can also get it later if you want to go over there and support us. Speaking of supporting us, thank you to our Patreon producers, Colton Yoder, Blackjack, and Mohammed Mohammed. Today we're brought to you by Hims, but I'll tell you about that later for now. Speaking the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news. Four items on the Roper Report. Oh, Baker's dozen. Wow, I like that one. I like the, you're putting some English on it, as the kids would say. You know I don't know what, what I mean? that means. The whole thing was in English. So I don't you know what I mean? But like you're putting like you're, you're making it high. You're making it high, high. You're over there doing high. You know? I I I don't know either, Kevin. <laughs> Four items on the report. We already did that. I want to hear it again. <laughs> give me it again. Put my English on it again. I don't know what that means. It's, you're doing it. You're embellishing it. There we go. That's the word. Embellishment. Uh, kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. You're welcome to point out that uh, put some English on. It's a real thing. I'm not saying it's not a real thing. It's uh, Switch is updating its CPU and its storage. This is Sean Hollister at The Verge. Nintendo just announced a smaller, cheaper version of the Switch today. This is obviously a story from yesterday. But the Switch Lite may not be the only trick up Nintendo's sleeves. The original Nintendo Switch is also getting a new processor and new flash storage chips, according to filings with the Federal Communications Commission, FCC. The new chips could mean fewer slowdowns, faster load times, longer battery life, less heat, or perhaps none of those things. Nintendo submitted what's, what is called a Class 2 permission change to the FCC, effectively a request to tweak an existing gadget without having to get the whole thing recertified for sale in the United States. And there, it vaguely lays out changes. In case you're unaware, SOC, this is obviously going off of the information the little they had there, refers to the Switch system on chip, a.k.a. the NVIDIA Tegra processor that contains the CPU and graphics. While, quote, NAND memory is more commonly known as flash storage you find inside a solid-state drive. 
With the Switch, it would take much. It, it wouldn't take much of an improvement to make a difference, given how the Switch's four-year-old Tegra X1 processor is barely enough to churn through some of the system's existing titles. But there's no telling until someone gets their hands on the new model and does a comparison. So just an FYI for you. Yeah. Exciting, sure. Worth buying a new Switch for? Doubtful. Probably not. But hey, that's happening for you. Mm-hmm. Andrea, are you going to buy a new Switch for it? Are you excited enough? If for I'm a, buying a new, a new Tegra Switch, chip? it's going to be a Switch Lite. I'm not Do you buy think you're going to buy a Switch Lite? Uh, yes. Okay. Once the right color is released, so you're I probably won't. Yeah, I probably won't buy one at launch. Okay. Because we know that more colors are going to happen in 2020. You, do we know? I mean, yes, Greg. Have you seen the history of how Nintendo releases colored stuff? I have seen it, and they do they do that quite a bit. Lots of colors. Yeah, 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 yeah. What? <laughs> what is he dumb? <laughs> what? I'm just. I mean, I thought that uh, for, for the record, I thought there'd be way more Joy Cons. I thought that Joy Cons would have been a bigger There's deal for them. So they many. would have been if they dropped the price. Even if they dropped oh, the price but twenty bucks, with, people would with, buy more. Even with it, I feel like there's been a ton of different colors. There's been there's, there's been like that ugly yellow. There's been like six. I love the ugly. Hey, I, I love, love the, the yellow, yellow ones. Okay, well now there's the ugly yellow that you both like. Okay? So I'm here's sorry. what I'll do then, Kevin Coelho. If you <laughs> want to go to video game court. Is what I'm saying is when they launched the Switch and they were like, here's the Joy-Cons, everybody, what did they do? They ran out, these IGN types, Brian Altano and his cronies, ran out and mocked up, hey, here's what the NES ones would look like, here's what the SNES ones would look like. And they did like, that yesterday with Switch I'll Lite. buy it. Yeah. Those never officially came from Nintendo. You have to go to like Colorware for them. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. the same thing yesterday of like, look at what all these cool uh, Switch lights could be. And it's like, well, yeah, but are we going to get any of those? Where is the official atomic what purple? what is for, right? We need the official atomic purple uh, Switch Joy-Cons. I will, I will pre-order that right now, Nintendo, if you make that available. Atomic purple? Do you want to sell one? Because there it is. You wow, right how there. dare you. Lots of people love atomic purple. I know there's a lot of people and they would actually do it. I'm just saying. Calm down. Matt Council writes in. Spicy show today, To patreon.com slash games. We're still riding the high of yesterday's great show, all right? Uh, and says, what's good? With news breaking yesterday about the upcoming release of the Nintendo Switch Lite, many people are talking about buying a second Switch and using it as their travel Switch. It is important to understand that your secondary Switch must be connected to the internet at all times to play any digital games you have purchased. Unless you have a physical cartridge, you cannot play your game on the second Switch without internet. So, you can forget about playing on the train, the car, the plane. Nintendo needs to change this. Much love. Matt, I need you to sit down. Because <laughs> here's Matt. what I would suggest doing in that very specific scenario. You ready? Make the Switch that can't connect to the TV your primary Switch. And the switch that will now rest in the dock forever connected to the internet, your primary switch, or your secondary switch. brilliant. Thank you, right? That's the thing. Did they confirm that the switch light can connect to the dock? I thought that that was not a thing. No, 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 it can't. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying the switch light is the one you make your primary, the one, your switch that you're, your switch you own right now in the dock that's going to sit in the dock for the rest of its life, you make that the secondary because it'll always be connected to the internet, doesn't need to worry about it. You follow me? No. He's saying. Explain it slower. Okay, sorry. Kevin, I might need a whiteboard. Can I get a big whiteboard out here? Do we have the pens? (laughs) I see the whiteboard. I don't know. The pens are always the hardest part. You got a pen? All right, cool. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've never visited youtube.com slash kind of funny games, maybe you want to go and check this out. All right. So. Okay, explain. uh, Break it down for me, Professor Miller. Pleasure. Thanks for being part of this uh, (laughs) class. You know what I mean? So here's what we got, all right? This is. This is Mark. It's uh, such a simple idea. Can you give me a better he, pen? He's drawing a stick figure. Drawing a stick figure. All right. Okay, you did. You missed it. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin is now this just is throwing interesting show we have dry today. erase markers at us. This doesn't hold it up. Hold on. Andrea? Do you want me to get the pen? Cover hold the base. On. I got the pen. You just talk. Okay. So, um, Greg is now going to pick up. Oh, no. The whiteboard has fallen. <laughs> all right. It's all right. Crisis averted. Sure. All right. All right, put my leg there like this. Do okay. This. This, is a, this is a workout today, all right? So Greg is now attempting to draw on the whiteboard while holding his microphone and making sure the whiteboard does not fall off of his chair. Uh, we need an easel. Me. Can we, yes. like, uh, Amazon Prime right. now an easel? Uh, probably to... not for two This pen sucks, now. too. All yeah. our pens are gross. This is Mark, all right? You see it? Uh, uh, you see yeah, Mark there? Yes, I can barely see it. I'm That's okay. It if you were left-handed, this would work out much better. I'm putting me. there idiot. Mark the idiot, all right? Okay, Mark so the he's idiot. Is it Mark or Matt? It says Mark. Got it. But his name actually is Matt. <laughs> okay, cool. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I thought. So he has his portable switch here, Andrew, right? Okay, I see. So Greg has now drawn a stick figure with the name uh, Matt, Matt Marf? Matt. Matt, it's Matt. In, in parentheses, it says idiot, and next to him is a very crude drawing of a switch. All right. Okay. So this is his, <laughs> o- his portable only 
switch, right? Okay. Switch light. Switch light. Got it. Hold on. Do this. Light. light. Okay. All right. And then this is, we're going to call this prime. All right. Switch prime is in the dock. Right. Got it. Now, what he is saying is that since this is his primary switch. Right. His secondary switch. Correct. Cannot go on the road with him and be used in airplane mode or anything like that. Correct. It, needs so it always to needs to be connected to the internet. And so what I'm saying is don't be like idiot Matt slash Mark. Okay. I'm saying go and make your pr- switch that's docked all the time. Right. Your secondary one. Right. And make your switch light your primary one. Right. But what I'm saying is the primary switch, I don't think that they have they confirmed that it can connect to the dock. No. But at no point does what it does need the dock to. Have to do yeah, I don't understand why you're hung up on the dock. Why, why would it be your dock? Oh, we almost have it. We almost have but it. The idea of the primary switch is that it can connect to your television. So when you're at home, mm-hmm. not on the go, mm-hmm. you can play Switch on your big, nice TV. Exactly. But like Switch Lite is not designed to do that. So if you make it your primary switch, then you're never playing on your television. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. Because it doesn't. The secondary switch in the dock can still play to the TV. Mm-hmm. All, one, one so of basically these, you're saying the light is irrelevant you don't right. even I'm need saying it just no, switch what, I'm saying switch what's your primary and what's your secondary your dock your dock switch at home mm-hmm. is always going to be connected to the internet so just make that the secondary one if one of these things always has to be connected to the internet make it that one and then you're fine Oh man, we are. I can't believe, uh, Kevin am I crazy? you're crazy uh, no, no no she's crazy I don't okay. understand how this is so Andrew. Wait, so are you insinuating that you would put the switch light in the dock? No, why are you saying that? No. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Nobody's talking about the dock. Am I speaking English? What am I doing wrong? Wait, hold on. <laughs> hold the phone for one second. So let's go over this Andrew, one more time. Andrew, let me, can I try to explain it? Sure, sure Kevin. I'm lost. Okay, all right. Okay. So, I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> so you make the light. Right. Your primary on the Nintendo account, right? Right. So now your docked one is a secondary unit. You're talking about no, 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 a software no. solution. Yes, yes. See, that's what I was missing from what, the way you were explaining okay. it. You're talking about literally like making it, activating it as your primary switch. Yes. Correct. In Nintendo online service. Correct. Okay. If, if my primary switch that can be offline. That was what was offline. missing from the explanation. Okay. If my primary <laughs> switch can be offline and I can play games... Then I'm gonna make it the portable. Everyone if one of these has to be, if one of these has to be connected to the internet, it's gonna be the docked one. Matt slash Mark, you're not an idiot, obviously, because this is more confusing than I thought it was. <laughs> no, 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 no. Everybody got in the chat. Everyone, this is an Andrea. Thing. Well, somebody's sure. driving a van right now, full of nuns, and, and they they're don't on my side, and they didn't get it. It's like I. I don't know. Do we know if that will work? If that workaround will be successful? Why wouldn't it work? I mean, at the worst case scenario, let's say it does. Let's say that like you can't easily do that, which I bet you can. But you can't easily. Then just factory reset them both and then start again. No, I mean, but like, will there be some other kind of? um, You'd lose your stuff once, so you back up all your saves. But you can't. There's aren't there certain certain games you can't back up because they're dumb. Yeah, okay. You already played 100 hours of fucking Pokemon Let's Go, everybody. We get it. If the little rat gets in the ball and you evolve it, now you're going to do it. Are you going to start playing Pokemon Go? I'm playing Pokemon Go. Let's Go. I, I, I had played Let's Go. Granted, it was before I was a Pokemon master like I am now. Right, that's, I was catching all these ghost Pokemon. Did you guys know there's ghost Pokemon? Because I was capturing a bunch of them in the park today. Wow. Um, yes, there are ghost Pokemon. He's purple? Know. I didn't know. This He's purple. We talked about the new El Creme Pokemon in Was Good This Week. Did you know there's a whipped cream Pokemon? It's a thing now, you guys. I did Turn, not know that. It Gigamax. It Gigamaxes? Is that what it is? G- no. Gigantamax. That's it. There it is. Into a giant cake. I like it's kind of weird, but I kind of like Kevin, it. Kevin, his name is Misdrevious. Misdrevious. Oh. So if this workaround is effective, you got, you, you got your problem solved. Don't worry, Matt slash Mark. But like, why even make that a thing? If the light is designed to be an on-the-go machine, like why, why do that, Nintendo? Well, that's why I think it's got to be possible to just switch your primary without resetting them both. Or how about don't make the light not work if it can't be connected like that seems so silly but Andrew, i mean that's then we're back to playstation right where that's how playstation works to an extent in terms of like you have to if you're your primary console you could turn off and take with you and never connect the internet again and play all your downloaded stuff but if it was my secondary non-activated primary playstation 4 if i did that i'd get 15 minutes after my online so essentially this is a thing so that they can check your licenses and make yes, sure that 100 yeah it's yeah. drm yeah. stuff so that i don't you you we in the entire office we don't share one account and just mm-hmm. like everybody so turns in off in theory yeah hear me could you do this and not have your light connected to the Wi-Fi and play games while someone's playing the same game 
Yes. You can do that with PlayStations. Yeah. No, I understand. That's 100% yeah. you could. But I'm asking about the Switch, Andrea. We don't know, Kevin. No, you could. I mean, yeah. There's no way for it to know. If you, Hypothetically. If you're, if, 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 even if it wasn't your, well, if your place, or your, if your docked current switch, your, the d- switch in a dock yeah. is your primary, or is your, yeah, your primary, yeah. and you put that into airplane mode, and then you turned on my secondary one, on you could play all my games on Wi-Fi, yeah, and then I would do that. Then we'd have syncing problems with saves, but on that, you'd sure, be fine. but what are you going to do? I mean, just not care about it. We're going to make a million dollars, pretty much. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? What's wow. happening? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how we'll do it around here. Man. It's a rough and tumble show already, but I'm enjoying it. You know what I mean? Let your hair down, everybody. It's almost Friday. Can you believe we've been working for two weeks straight? Uh, IGN had more information about the Nintendo Switch stuff. They report, Nintendo has said that Switch Lite will be the only new hardware launched this year, squashing rumors of a more powerful Switch Pro device. So I know that was on the tip of everyone's tongue the other day. Uh, What's going on with that? Don't worry about it, basically. Doug Bowser saying, don't even sweat it. It's not a big deal. Um, now, you put the fear of God in me. I just want to make sure that I, this embargo is up, right? Yes, they tweeted about it. Cool, just making sure. Number two, Call of Duty has announced a 2v2 gunfight mode for Modern Warfare. Uh, the bullet points read like this. Two teams with two players will face off against each other in a fast-paced firefight. When the round starts, you will have 40 seconds to locate the other team and defeat them. If no one is killed in the first 40 seconds, then a flag will appear at the center of the map. Players will need to run to the flag and defend it for three seconds to get a point. If no one can defend the flag within the time limit, then the team with the most health wins. The last team standing gets the point. The first team to six points wins the game. You will not need to use create a class. All weapons and equipment, I'm sorry, all weapon and equipment selection is handled by the game mode. Also, you will not heal after being shot. All players have a set amount of health. The map, uh, the map's Played at pre-briefs and shown in the live stream are King, the exterior of a warehouse, Pine, the exterior of a dense forest, and Stack, a desert container yard. On here, because of course, new mode for Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Interesting. Also, Andrea and I played it at Judges Week this thing. We did. I will tell you, uh, we're going to talk about it on Gamescast, I think, in depth. But top level, I loved this fucking mode. So fun. I went into it thinking I was going to hate this, 2v2, but it was surprisingly strategic and a ton of fun because it was so fast paced so yeah i'm not i'm not a a call of duty player really period but especially not multiplayer and i when we were getting there i was like ugh, i just don't like multiplayer but the fact that it was 2v2 it became and there's set health and they're like all right cool it's handguns and throwing knives it's this and that like they give you weird combinations of rocket launchers and it was like suddenly i i was actually good at this mode because it wasn't more about like uh, mechanics of how to run around and get each other. It's you know you start across the map from each other with stuff in front of you. How do you gonna, how are you going to kill this guy? I loved it. It's going to be a great party mode when we get it. So look more on that gamescast patreon.com slash kind of funny uh, today if you want to watch live or watch it later with that free and pre and post show and then free for everybody youtube.com slash kind of funny games Friday. Uh, speaking of things Andrea and I have seen that we'll talk about on Gamescast, but our breaking news as well. Number three, there's two new modes for the Dark Pictures anthology, Man of Madan. Is that what we're saying, or Matt Medan? What are we saying? She said Man of Madan. Madan. It's me, Madan. <laughs> Bandai Namco Entertainment America announced today that players will be able to team up to tackle the horrors of the Dark Pictures anthology, Man of Madan, in both online and offline modes. Uh, of course, this game coming out August 30th, 2019, so right around the corner. Uh, the first of these is Shared Story Mode. Share the story simultaneously with a friend in two-player online co-op. Both players explore the world, make choices, and perform actions that affect the outcome of the story and the fate of their respective characters. Traverse scenes through a different perspective from the single-player experience, sometimes together, sometimes apart in totally separate scenes revealing new information location and scares. next one is movie night mode play locally in a group of up to five players with one controller with each player taking charge of the movement decisions and choices of one of the five main characters players can choose between saving themselves or trying to keep their friends characters alive at the end of each playthrough actions impacts will be judged with achievements and rewards for each player again andrea you me and joey noel Went and climbed on the USS Hornet in Alameda this week to play this game. Went down into like the lower level, weird, scary ass ship. Uh, again, Gamescast will really, really get into it. Uh, I didn't know what to make of this. We went there and I was like, okay, this is of course from the people who made Until Dawn. You know what kind of game it's going to be narrative decisionally. But to get there and they're like, all right, we have a big reveal. There's multiplayer in this game and that's what you guys are doing today. Didn't know what to make of it. And then when Joey and I finished our playthrough and sat down and started talking about it, and it was like, wait, did you not see me do this? Oh, that man, like, 
I was so impressed by what they did. The conversations you have about this are so cool, let alone then when we went back and watched, uh, we played, the, that was us doing the online mode, when we, we did the, the shared couch stuff, getting to see how other people handle the situation, seeing people, did you see this? Did your ear get cut off? Did you like, holy shit, like, it's exactly what you loved about Until Dawn with more people. And you can, of course, play it solo. You can totally play the game solo and not play with anybody else, uh, which I think won't rob you of certain things, but I think this is, uh, for me personally, and we'll talk about it on Gamescast with our real experiences, the one-on-one online thing seems to be the way to do it. Yeah, of all the modes that we got to see, um, definitely the two-player online uh, co-op was something I've never seen before in a game, and the way that they um, utilized the back-and-forth decision-making felt like it flowed really well. Um, and I won't say too much more about it because, you know, we're going to have a, a nice conversation about it on the games cast. But um, I, I went in expecting to like this game because yeah. I really liked what Supermassive did before and did not get disappointed. Good. So, yeah, uh, really cool modes. And if that wasn't enough. A made-up man, Joe Scrabbles from IGN, <laughs> actually sat down and talked to people who made the game, unlike Andrew and I, who played the game and ran away. It's true. Uh, he has this information about him. Not about this, but about how many games are in the anthology, because you're like, Dark Pictures Anthology, what a weird title. The Dark Pictures Anthology, which opens with Man of Medan this August, <laughs> is currently planned for eight games with a release schedule of two per year. Dark Pictures is a multi-game horror anthology created by Until Dawn developer Supermassive Games. Every game in the anthology will be a new story in a new horror genre, with the only major aspect tying them together being the curator a mysterious figure cut from the same cloth as rod sterling in the twilight zone or the crypt keeper in tales from the crypt in an interview with supermassive ceo pete samuels i asked what the plan for the curator is quote we have an arc in mind that plays out over eight games he's really the only consistency across the anthology everything else from a story a story character perspective we want to be a surprise Samuels continued by pointing out that not only will the, not only the curator story, but the individual games have also been planned. Quote, we want to surprise people each time when we announce the second game. I'm sorry. We want to announce people each time when we announce the second game. We want the last thing people we want it to be the last thing people expected in terms of theme and subgenre and whatever. And then again, with the third one, uh, we have them mapped out for the first eight. Supermassive has repeatedly pointed out that it sees the Dark Pictures games as being just that, a game sold as an individual product, unlike the, the likes of Telltale Episodic games, which have multiple entries loaded from a single shell program. When I asked how frequently we could expect Dark Pictures games to arrive, Samuel said, quote, Our aim is to get to a frequency of two a year. From concept through to completion, there are a couple of years in development. So, if you do the math, we've obviously got a handful we're working on the studio at the moment, end quote. Each game will have a different game director, different screenwriters, and different actors, not to mention entirely separate dev teams, all of which allows Supermassive to work concurrently on multiple entries in the series. Interesting. Awesome. Do it. You know what I mean? I loved Until Dawn. Uh, I, such, I thought that was such a great uh, breakout. Here, here's who Supermassive is game. And then since then, I don't think they've struggled, but Russia Blood, okay. Uh, Inpatient, I, I did not like on PlayStation VR. I'm, I'm excited to see them get back to horror storytelling and then also have this like Tales from the Crypt idea. That's such a cool thing you don't see in video games of like, cool, I'm the curator. Here's this weird subgenre. Here's this weird thing you're going to get into for a few hours and play multiple times to see things. And then guess what? We'll see you again in half a year, hopefully. Awesome. Yeah. I am excited to see how the different stories with different dev teams and different directors are going to play out for cohesiveness across the entire anthology. Sure. I think having different screenwriters and different actors absolutely makes sense. Um, but getting a different game director for each game for eight games, ambitious. I like that though, right? Because it is taking that Twilight Zone uh, uh, um, Black Mirror uh, uh, concept of fiction and putting it here, right? When I jump into a Black Mirror, I know what I'm going to get, right? Technology bad. It's gonna fuck us over. Uh, here, I know dark, the Dark Pictures anthology, right? What I'm getting. All right, mm -hmm. cool. A choice-based game. That's horror. I, I love the idea that. Yeah, for some reason we're on a battleship in this one, right? But uh, in in Man of Matan. But what'll happen in uh, until dawn was the teeny bopper. We're up in a cabin in the woods thing. Like, what is the next thing you're gonna do? That when yeah. do we go to space? And how crazy will that be? And I guess the upside is that the mechanics aren't dramatically changing game to game. Exactly. I think they'll be identical and. Um, because I don't want to equate what a game director and a film or TV director does. They are wildly different things. Um, so I think, you know, the idea that the anthology has that through line of like, you'll always know what the mechanics are. It's going to be choices. It's going to be quick time events. Yeah. And it's going to be like limited movement in the world. I think that will help keep consistency. Yeah. It's just an interesting way to get in there and have people tell their stories. And I'm all for it. 
Kevin, you all for it? No, I don't. I don't play scary games. Yeah, you like scary uh, games, right? He doesn't know about the yes and, Greg. No, no, I, I knew what he was going to do there. I knew how he was going to shut us down. I, I don't play scary games. What do you want me to do? You want I want you to start playing scary games. I want no. to start we could do fun. it in movie night hey, mode. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, Bear can hold your hand. It'll be cute. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm good. I know what I like, and that's not what I like. Don't cry. We didn't mean to put you on the spot, but oh, no, no. Kev Dog, no. <laughs> Number four. Facebook apparently is after AAA VR games. This is Rebecca Valentine at GamesIndustry.biz. Though VR is still growing slowly, one criticism is that it still lacks exclusive entries from popular AAA franchises to draw crowds. That may change soon if Facebook gets its way. The information reports that Facebook is currently after both game studio acquisitions for Oculus development as well as IP rights to make VR games in popular franchises. Two IPs that sources say are already signed on are Assassin's Creed and Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, both from Ubisoft. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg was reportedly involved with the deal, though VP of Special Gaming Initiatives Jason Rubin is in charge of the push for acquisitions and content as a whole. Rubin was promoted in December from his previous role at Oculus Head of Content. Quote, we cannot comment on specific partnerships, but we will continue to focus on expanding our library and reaching broader gaming audiences for years to come, a Facebook spokesperson said. Uh, Facebook launched its new untethered Oculus Quest headset at the end of May this year, and in the first two weeks, it moved over 5 million in software sales because the Oculus Quest is awesome, everybody. Guess what? VR ain't dead. It's here, and it's going to stay. I can't wait, Andrea. Yeah? I love that fucking Quest. The Quest is really cool. I, I think the reason why we probably haven't seen AAA entries, particularly games like Assassin's Creed and Splinter Cell, they are not really suited for a VR adaptation. Now, that being said, I am open to seeing something cool happen in those universes. Um, I've really enjoyed some of the original stories that we've seen in VR, and I think that there are some AAA entries um, on the horizon, particularly with Oculus. I think immediately of Asgard's Wrath and that game and how it's really shaping up to be... Sanzaro Studios. Exactly. A full-length RPG that you could get on a console, and I think with the way that they're specifically creating it for VR is making it a really unique way of storytelling. Um, It's just hard because you don't necessarily want to take a really well-known character and bring it into VR and then have it fall on its face and go really badly. That's the struggle you have with this, right? And I think back to, um, you know, I remember when PSP did this, when PSP was pretty much dead and then Destination PlayStation where they were like, guess what? There's going to be an Assassin's Creed for it. We're doing a motor storm for it. They started coming out and be like, no, no, here are these big things for it. And everybody got really excited. And then we got Assassin's Creed on PSP and it was like, oh, well, this wasn't really Assassin's Creed. You know what I mean? Like that's the the risk you run here. The hope, of course, right, is that we put out, you put out an Assassin's Creed experience. I, I'm assuming it'll be something like Batman, or, uh, Batman Arkham uh, VR or and same thing for Splinter Cell, right? Where it's, you know, point to jump around to different things, shoot out lights, whatever. And that can be a cool experience. I'm not saying it wouldn't be. But when people jump in, even if that is like, oh, this wasn't exactly what I wanted out of this, then they get to look at the library of Quest games, Oculus games, and see that, okay, well, there are a number of standouts, right? It's the, you know, normal thing of a rising tide lifts all boats. That if you can get more people in there to play Beat Saber, if you can get somebody in there, I mean, like, you talk about AAA stuff, Kevin and me talk about Vader Immortal, right? It was You and I talked about Vader Immortal, or it was Barrett. But Vader Immortal on Oculus Quest, like, and granted, I know that's a game that's been on other stuff, but for me, I played it on Quest, and it's like, holy shit, this is awesome. It's a, I'm playing, I'm, I'm talking to Darth Vader. I'm in this Star Wars game doing these things that is interesting and it is exciting. Those kind of experiences of bringing people in, but then getting them to see something like Asgard's Wrath, getting them to see something like Beat Saber. Yeah, that's what it's all about, and getting adoption and getting units into people's hands. Absolutely. But Quest has been doing so well. It's the same thing. You know, we're doing a PlayStation VR show today, like I was saying. Today's game is uh, Astrobot uh, Rescue Mission. A oh, fantastic so, game, right? So good. But it's that thing of sitting on the couch playing it. It is that like, oh, I hate being tethered now, and I hate that it's like tracking isn't per. You know what I mean? Like, because Quest is just so fucking good at it. It just I can't get over that tech. That's such an impressive piece of hardware. And I think we're only going to see the tech become more impressive as mm-hmm. we get farther mm-hmm. into the life cycle. I would love to see a happy medium between what they're doing with the Rift S power wise and what they're doing with the the portability of the Quest. I think that's probably in the next iteration once the hardware becomes a little bit more advanced and they can push more processing power through a portable unit. But we're getting close. I mean, what they're doing with chips inside mobile phones now is like oh, totally. pretty cool. And that's the thing, like, and why it's exciting and why it's awesome to see people still investing in it, is that the fact that 
it's only going to get better. And the fact that it's moving as fast as it is, is really impressive. And I, th- I don't know if we talk about that or give it enough credit. And I think, you know, the fact that we're doing a season two of PlayStation VR speaks to that to an extent. But when v- PlayStation VR launched, they were so clear, like, okay, it's going to be experiences. And everybody bought it. Everybody who bought it seemed to be on board with that. But the fact that we're two Astrobots, the fact that we're two games that you put, I put on and play, are like blood and truth. And it's just like, holy shit like this isn't this isn't an experience this is a game and i'm having a great time and i'm if i'm playing a vr game and i get i'm still multiple hours in getting that holy shit like i can't believe i'm doing this or moving my head around or you know different mechanics and going under it's awesome right now the way people are experimenting and doing stuff with it and i hope it continues to be supported so we see what happens but andrea yes craig who knows if it'll be continued to be supported that's so far away if i wanted something more immediate say what came to the mom and grap shops today where would i go why well, greg you would go to the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the kind of funny games daily show host each and every weekday yeah kevin got so into the yeah he knocked something over over there what happened i sure did my garbage bag oh no your garbage bag out today tiny metal Full Metal Rumble on Switch and PC. Blazing Chrome on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. Eagle Island on Switch, PC, and Mac. Red Hot Vengeance on PC. Skulls of the Shogun, Bonafide Edition, Switch. Professor Lupo and his horrible pets, Switch. Doodle God, Crime City, Switch. Nelly Nelly Kudalot, The Foul Feet, Switch. Dead in Vineland, Vinland, True Viking Edition, Switch. Uh, Metaloid Origin, Switch. Way Out, Switch. Vector Wars, Switch. Uh... Cyber Delta Switch. Uh, this week in GTA Online, players can earn double rewards across all Rockstar created and verified stunt races, along with a double boost on salaries for bodyguards and associates. Players also receive a 40% discount on a range of items, including nightclubs and underground facility properties used for hosting Doomsday Heist, the Benefactor Terabyte Mobile Command Unit, and much more. Then, these are all Switch, which I should have paid more attention to. Uh, Arcade Archives Ninja Spirit, Desktop Bowling, Laser Kitty Pow Pow. Kevin? Yes. I need a trailer for Laser Kitty Pow Pow Forwards. On it, big man! Uh, Vector Wars, which I think I want to start. I did. Dang, they got me. And then Ziggurat. Uh, then Dead Cells update the 13th is now live on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. This is the first time, and I know you're all going to say, I've seen it a million times. Greg, you're an idiot. I've ever seen Nintendo Switch abbreviated NSX. Yeah, somebody wrote like that, that in the other day. I like that. Because I like PS4, Xbox, XB1, NSX. Uh, I, don't, I don't like it. Well, Does you it know make what? sense? Whatever. Just enjoy your life for change. Ooh, Laser Kitty Pow Pow. All right, here we got a tra- trailer for Laser Kitty Pow Pow on Nintendo Switch. Stand. There it is. Cubic Games made this one, apparently. Uh, the bigger cat so it has something to do with it. Here's the guy putting on this thing. He's, uh, ooh, he's got a very uh, retro... Laser Kitty Pow Pow. Art style. It is, uh, Lots of black it is just, pixels. It's a giant. It's a laser kitty that's shooting lasers out of its eyes and killing everything. You can be a panda too, apparently. All right. Ask a dumb question. Get a dumb answer. Yeah. Uh, free DLC for the Messenger is out today. Earth Defense Force 5 deploys today on Steam. <coughs> <laughs> New dates for you. Iron Maiden has officially become Iron Fury. This launches on August 15th on PC. Mm, this is the one where I remember when I was like Iron Maiden and I guess you missed an R and I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. New Ark Survival Evolved map, Valguero, uh, coming to consoles July 19th. And then Psychonauts 2 is officially now targeting a 2020 uh, release date. It was announced on Fig. This is via Twinfinite. The post goes, we know it's always disappointing when you have to wait a bit longer, but we also know that you are an amazing supportive bunch who, just like us, want the game to be as good as possible. So we're hopefully understand heart. Did we, did we get this in there? No, because I didn't. I glanced at it and didn't see a release date. Release date. You mm. can lay it on me. What do you got? That's a new date. Yeah, so we got a press release from Private Division, the people who are publishing the Outer Worlds and Ancestors, and they announced that V1 Interactive and Private Division are making a game called Disintegration. It's a new sci-fi shooter to be unveiled at Gamescom next month. The studio was co-founded in 2014 by Marcus Leto, a former creative director at Bungie and co-creator of Halo. And this is a new sci-fi shooter from him. Um, And let's see here if there's any actual information in this besides like, I'm really excited to be working on this. That's pretty much it, right? Um, Let's see. Um, No. Oh, wait. No, no, nothing. Well, there you go. There's a game coming. Get excited. Gamescom reveal. 
Time for Reader Mail, but first let me tell you about our sponsor. It's Hims. You've heard us talk about Hims and how they're helping guys look their best, but if you haven't, it's time you see what they're all about. 66% of men start to lose their hair by age 35, and once you start to notice thinning hair, it can be too late. The solution? 4hims.com, a one-stop shop for skincare, skincare, uh, skincare, I almost said twice, hair loss, sexual wellness, and more for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims is helping guys be the best version of themselves with licensed physicians and FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. Hims was created by a guy who knows something about men's conversations, and he knows that health conversations are easier online than in person. This means with Hims, no more awkward in-person doctor visits or long pharmacy lines. 4hims connects you with real doctors online, which could save you hours completely confidentially and discreetly answer a few quick questions the doctor will review and if they determine it's right for you they can prescribe you medication to treat hair loss that is shipped directly to your door just like nick and andy did they went to forhams.com they got signed up they're taking gummies to fix their hair you can order now. My listeners get started with Hims Complete Hair Kit for just $5 today right now while supplies last and subject to a doctor's approval. Uh, see the website for full details and safety information. This could cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or pharmacy somewhere else. Go to 4hims.com slash games daily. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash games daily. 4hims.com slash games daily. <sighs> Mm-hmm. We'll start with the nanobiologist. We'll go the order. Nanobiologist writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like you can. It says, what's good, Greg and Andrea? How does games marketing keep making mistakes with announcements? We've seen time and time again a tweet or listing get posted way too early, possibly messing up many months of hard work. This time around, Final Fantasy VII was accidentally leaked as coming to the Xbox One day and date, parentheses, side note, fuck yeah, and a side note. Other times, we see tweets give misinformation or even press showings and demos not truly show what a game is and tell what the mechanics are wise. Uh, so, does this happen... So why does this happen? I think is what it means. And how could this be fixed for gaming advertising marketers that are listening? Well, nanobiologist, I'm glad you wrote in about that because I have some bad news for you. <laughs> they actually confirmed today that it will, in fact, not be coming day and date to the Xbox One. That was some <laughs> kind of mistake. Um, from IGN, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Square Enix has quote, no plans for other platforms other than PS4. So Xbox has no announcement to make regarding a Final Fantasy VII release. release. So I'm not sure why somebody posted that, but apparently it's fake and not true. Oh, Doesn't yeah. mean it's not coming to Xbox eventually, because I think we can assume that Andrew it Andrew pretty much a- said it. Throw your Xbox out the window. It's over. <laughs> Throw your PC out over. the window, too. It's done. Um, it will get a PC and Xbox One release eventually, um, but... Not yet. It's coming to PS4, though, March 3rd, 2020. I think the question stands even with that mistake then, right? Of like, you know, his, how does game marketing keep making mistakes with announcements? I think the problem is that, of course, there are too many moving parts for all of these announcements. I think it's a miracle that anything is kept under wraps. Period. Especially with a company as large as Square Enix, like it's important to remember they are a global brand that has branches in North America, in Europe, and in Japan. And you, each of those t- uh, teams has their own marketing people, and then they have to prepare marketing materials for several regions around the world within different time zones. And it's a very coordinated effort to get a single announcement to go live at the same time across yeah. all time zones. So that's why leaks and things get posted when they're not supposed to because it's hard dude and all these programs <laughs> that have like the schedule and tweet button right next to each other like you know what i mean like yeah. the amount of times i'll set something in or not that much anymore thank god but set something on twitter to publish at a certain time or on youtube at a certain time and it's like 15 times verified that was always for me the most terrifying thing about doing a review embargo at ign especially when it was midnight I was like, oh, God, is it the right PMAM? Like, I don't want to fuck this up and publish early. And you're talking, and correctly so, because the question's about marketing with, like, Twitters or materials. But then, like, get into partners, right? Like, get into pre-briefing the media on it and then they have their articles going and then they have things that are done. Get it to, we need to have stuff in game uh, stops, right? We need to have uh, banners there that you hope somebody doesn't take a photo of that. All right, now we're, you know, shipping the game. I saw Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is already on the shelves in Mexico. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of crap where it's just like, there's so many moving parts to all this. The fact that anything is kept a secret ever is insane. It's super impressive because they're really relying on people to be honest, do their job, and not, you know, do something that's outside the bounds of mm-hmm. what they're legally allowed to do. And everybody's human. Everybody right. makes mistakes, right? Like, we, it's funny. 
two, three, four weeks ago now or whatever, we had a question on the show about embargo breaking and this, that, and the other. And we were very much like, oh man, well, I have, we haven't done it in a while or, you know, personally or this, that, and then a while, yada, yada. And then like the next day I broke an embargo on the show where I was reading a thing and I was like, pretty sure that's embargo. That doesn't seem like, and it wasn't today. And it was like, it was the smallest of news. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't even in the news news. Nobody yeah. noticed. Nobody cared. I hit up and apologized profusely to Ubisoft. They didn't care. They yeah. understand that you're a human being and you said this thing, big deal. It, it wasn't the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination, but I think I'm pretty good at my job. Well, good at that part of the job. And like, you're good at your job, Greg. Thank you, Andrea. So are you. Thanks. You know what I mean? But everybody makes mistakes and that's how it is. So like, it's true. Why, you know, how does game marketing keep making mistakes? Because everybody's a human being and there's no way to not make and mistakes. And it's hard. And like, especially in the marketing loop, there's so many people that touch that process along the way. All it takes is one person to be a jerk. Like a guy at a printing shop who knows he's not supposed to be taking photos of people's materials and posting them on the internet because that's private, confidential information, takes a snapshot of something being printed and posts it and then is like, cool, look at this Reddit. thing I yeah. saw. And it's like, yo, dude don't do that you're not supposed to do that yeah you know and so that's the really tough part and so i have a lot of respect for people who have to work in that process and it's it's difficult you know we talk about how certain outlets are known for leaking stories or getting you know off the record or anonymous sources i should say and kind of spoiling the surprise for people there was you know there's a big raging debate over whether it's ethical and whether it's not i know Corey Barlaw got into it with Jason Schreier, you know, a while back about saying like, hey, I represent a dev team whose hard work didn't get spoiled. And like, we were so grateful for that. And like, it sucks that sometimes you guys spoil stuff for people when they want to be able to announce it the way that they want to. I think it was around the Call of Duty Modern Warfare leak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's tough. So so when you ask how does game marketing keep making mistakes with announcements? I mean, it's hard, man. It's more how do they don't how does how do people not make mistakes? <laughs> exactly. How do they not open their laptop on the Montreal subway? Ignacio Rojas writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says, Hola amigos. Uh Kate Tao. I don't know what that means. What's up? Oh thank you. So Or what's good. It's been almost three years since we got the initial reveal of Death Stranding, and now that we are four months away from launch, we'll see about that. I've got one question. Can you describe what this game actually is? Because I can't. No. People are so hyped about this game, me included, and yet we don't actually understand what the game even is. Kojima himself called this game an action game slash strand game, whatever that means. What do you think about this? Is Kojima going full Kojima with this game? And is that a good thing? Anyways, keep it being awesome. P.S. Salted pop- popcorn should burn in hell. Caramel popcorn is the only true popcorn. Okay, Ignacio, I was with you, and now get out. Who doesn't like salted popcorn? And I, mean, I understand appreciating. Ignacio, Ignacio doesn't like it. I can understand salted appreciating caramel popcorn. Caramel dude. popcorn. Mm, You're in a movie yeah. theater. You want caramel popcorn? It's no. like saying you want a peanut M&M over a plain M&M. All right, stop. Exactly. So now you sound stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, listen. This is definitely uh, Kojima going full Kojima on this game. Sure, one hundred percent. Like Death Stranding is going to be weird. It's going to be super artistic. It's going to have a very distinct point of view. Um, this is, is it going to light the world on fire? That remains to be seen. I, you ask, is it Kojima going full Kojima? Yeah, I think it is. And I hope it is. And will that be a hit? Who knows? I don't care. I'm, I think it's awesome that he gets to go be as weird as he wants to be. Go make a weird game with all your Hollywood friends. All right, let's see what happens. Let's go. What is this game? I think you did. You pointed out, Ignacio, he said pretty clearly it's a strand game. I don't know what else we can tell you. You know what the game is. There you we go. don't know what a strand game is any more than I you know what a strand game is. I'll tell you what. I, I want nothing more than this year at the Game Awards. Fucking whoever. Come out and be like, and the award for strand game of the year goes to <laughs> Death Stranding. You know what I mean? He made his own genre. He can't lose the category. I think it's going to be you walking around and there's help from people outside of your world that you don't see, but they're doing things in your world that'll help you out and you're delivering babies and there's things, but not like delivering like you're a doctor, but like, you know, they're in your, they're, you're putting them like you're a delivery man. You're an Amazon man. Mm-hmm. This is all against Amazon and the president's there in, in the bed. Greg, I got a question for you. Sure, lay it on me. Do you think that this could potentially backfire on PlayStation and, and Kojima if it's too weird? If the gameplay loop isn't fun, if the gameplay is obtuse or difficult to understand, but it's incredibly artistic and has a vision, but the gameplay element of it is missing, what do you think will happen? It depends on what you define and what they define as well as backfiring. I don't, 
I mean, I know that when we all start talking about it and like when people who are smarter than me start talking about sales figures, they start getting lofty really quick. Mm-hmm. I think the game's going to sell really well. And I don't think I don't know if it's going to set records and do that. I've never been that kind of uh, pontificator. Uh, I think it's going to sell really well. I think that even though I know we joke around about how much we've heard about this game and how long it's been talked about, yada, yada, I still think this game's come way quicker if it hits this release date than most of us thought it would. So I think that there isn't this like decade of expectation behind it. I think they've done a really good job of being like, the game looks weird as fuck. What are we getting into? Who knows? Like, I think it's going to... If it do what you just said, the gameplay loop isn't there. It's it's weird. People aren't. I think I think it'll be one of those that gets put on the shelf as video games are art. Like this was him being full of Kojima and being a super weird guy and doing a whole bunch of weird shit. But you played it and it was, you know what? It, have they even said kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong how many hours it is? For, I'm, I watched the trailers, but I do stay on blackout for the most part. I don't think anybody's gotten hands on with it. No, I knew that, but I did, yeah, 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 I just didn't know if there's been a comment out there because I mean, what? I think it's going to be between eight and twenty, probably. Like I don't think it's going to be a giant. You're in this thing like you were with Metal Gear Solid Five. I think it's going to be a you know in quotes short contained experience in terms of games and i think that's right because i think if it is that you get in and it's super fucking weird and it's over it's going to be one of those head scratchers but then of course it's kojima so there'll be all these reddit threads and things are hot ties in and is this metal gear timeline and there was this thing and this reference and and like there'll be enough for people to dissect about it and if it is it doesn't live up to either of their expectations in terms of what they wanted it to be then it isn't an ip they go back to right away and uh, kojima productions goes and does something else instead i don't I, I, would, I mean, I, I don't I don't see it being a failure. I don't see it being a game that gets fives and sixes, which I'm, I'm happy to eat my words. I'm, I'm not even doing this as a fan. I don't think it's going to do that. I also don't think it's going to get tens. I think it's going to be in that seven, five to eight, five range right there in, in a healthy chunk because it will be weird and people will be turned off by that. But then I think it's going to have fans that fucking love it and then people that are totally put off by it. But it'll be one of those things that, again, with art, right? That's how you want a lot of people. You want strong reactions. You don't. The worst thing was always reviewing a game that you thought was a five. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just there. It's something I had to play, you know? I expect it to be somewhere in there. I hope, I hope I'm wrong. I hope for the whole team it's a 10. I hope everybody loves it. I hope it's gangbuster sales. But I think it's weird enough that it's going to be off-putting to some people, but then it's going to be a lot of people's kind of weird. In the same vein, in terms of weirdness, control. Where I think I'm surprised Control is getting as much juice behind it as we get closer and closer to it. Why? Because Control totally looks like my kind of game, but the way Quantum Break I thought was like overlooked and kind of like, eh, whatever. Like, granted, not. It wasn't an amazing game, but I also look at Control and I'm like, I'm not sure if Control is going to be amazing either. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and I can't wait for it, but I don't know what that's actually going to net out to be. I don't know like how far we want to go down this Control rabbit hole. I think the reason I Control is different Have some fun, man. is because after having played it a couple of times now, the gameplay feels more complete as yeah. a concept than some of the stuff that Remedy has done okay. previously. Oh, oh, oh. Um, I mean, and not all of their stuff because obviously they have a quite diverse oh, yeah. library yeah, yeah. of games under their belt. Um, but I think that even though they tend to skew on this like kind of like weird supernatural angle with a lot of their storylines, the gameplay feels pretty grounded. And so I think the marriage between what they're doing with this really cool supernatural storyline and how they're representing that through the mechanics and the gameplay in control yeah. is so far from what I've seen, very well done. Yeah. No, I, again, I like it. I'm not saying I'm trying to, I, I can't wait for control. I'm very, very excited for control. But when you start making a weird game, you're never mm-hmm. sure if it's going to be the right kind of weird for people or if it's going to be, what is that? Why, it's a woman. She's got a weird gun that morphs. What's going on? I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. We'll see. But at least we know what that gameplay looks like. hundred percent. Yeah. Who knows what the gameplay of We Death do Strange know. You saw the like. eight minute thing. There's a ladder. Andrea, the yeah. president is No sick. questions anymore. I'm good. <laughs> That was a good pregnant pause. Um, 2038 Pokemon CEO is going to close it out today. How do you handle meeting influential people in your industry? Do you have enough experience meeting Troy Baker, lol, Kojima, or Miyamoto that you aren't phased? Or do you still get into their, quote, reality distortion field mode for the meeting? Uh, I just remind myself everyone has an alarm clock. Is your relationship with companies different now that now than when you were reviewers? Uh, do you get to partake in more opportunities such as hosting events, EA Play? Is it harder to get codes? Are there times when the press, I, uh, i.e. Uh, IGN, Kotaku, etc., gets more privilege? Are developers more comfortable to talk to you because they aren't 
you aren't from the traditional press. All right, so two very different questions there. Yes. Do you get bugged out talking to Troy Baker? <laughs> no. <laughs> Fucking uh, but clown. It's, but it's Troy. Um, it really depends on the person. Um, I think... I don't. I would never. No. So no offense, Troy. You're great. We love you. But I would never put Troy Baker and Miyamoto like, in the same category oh. in the industry because they do very different things, right? Troy is a, a fantastic oh. actor. Actor. Okay. <laughs> and Miyamoto has been an innovative visionary in video games for decades, right? He's so, on the Jimmy Fallon show. Exactly. I mean, and I think so. The, they're just they do different things, right? And um, there are certain moments where I'll get nervous when I'm interviewing somebody or when I'm meeting somebody because we get to talk to people from so many different, bless you, you. Uh, walks of the industry that the first thing I always get afraid of is if I'm going to say their name wrong, if I'm going to get their ah, title wrong, pronunciation, yeah. if I'm not going to be as up to date as I need to be on the latest project that they're working on or if they've announced something recently and because I never want to stumble when I'm meeting somebody. Sure particularly about their professional credentials because I never want to undercut somebody's accomplishments yeah. um, when I'm you know, interviewing somebody for work. And so I get like a little bit nervous when I meet anybody, regardless of if they're uh, an associate producer or whether they're you know, the CEO of the company, right? Sure. I think everybody has a value and worth in that ecosystem. Um, but when we're talking about um, you know, this idea of a reality distortion field. I think that that really just, you just have to put your professional hat on and make sure that you're not fanboying or fangirling out yeah, too much. Totally, and, totally. and sometimes it's difficult because obviously Greg and I are fans of games and we've been passionate about games for our entire lives. And so you can't always just immediately turn that faucet off when you're around somebody that you really respect and admire. And I think back to the first time I met Jennifer Hale, who's a, another amazing voice actor. I'm sure. Um, and how I had to interview her during the Mass Effect 3 press tour. And it wasn't until after the interview and we had like shut the camera and the lights off that I got plucked up the courage to say like, I really love your work and not just in Mass Effect, but all the stuff that you've done. And you know, I, had, I got to have like a moment with her sure. after the interview. Um, and so it's just about knowing when is the right time to maybe have that discussion. And sometimes it's never the right time. Sometimes, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to to have that personal moment with people, particularly if they have a lot of stuff going on or if they have a lot of interviews to do. But yeah. um, I think Greg and I are in a very unique position because we've worked in the industry long enough that we've been able to have discussions with so many people like that, yeah. that it's, um, it's a really cool part of our job. But I th- we also understand the other coin of remaining professional at all times. Sure, yeah. The, uh, those opportunities to get nerdy or thankful or have you know eventually share your information with them i think come when they come right. you can never force it into an interview you can never force it into a conversation afterwards and i think yeah especially to this question from 2038 pokemon ceo like at the top here i think we've just been around so long now that yeah like i think we know most people right I, and i'm not and i don't mean like in a conceited way but i mean like people on this level right like right. it's not weird for me to say hey to phil spencer or whatever or you know to run into Troy Baker, you know what I mean? To come with, genuflected him or hang out with Kojima. But like Kojima, right, being like, you know, Metal Gear, my favorite game, like it, it was like three or four meetings before I ever really told him that. I was thinking I did it live when I gave him the Peace Walker painting on an IGN uh, uh, E3. Like that was it. But by then we were already professional relationship, let alone, I mean, friends or whatever. That was my favorite thing when we went to RTX Sydney uh, two years ago, right? And he was there and the way everybody treated him because everybody gives him such a wide breath of like that's Hideo Kojima like let mm-hmm. him do his thing and like he had his own like area in the green room and stuff and, and like people would come up to me and be like hey can you can he can, do you think you'd eventually be able to ask him if he could sign this and I'd be like oh sure and I'd DM him like hey can you come out they want you to sign something he'd come out and sign it go away we took Zelda photos like he's a normal person but like yeah. people have that reverence and respect for him that they wouldn't do that but I lost that a long time ago where I will just <laughs> easily hug him against his will and make him come over and do things with us I digress. I'm not, against not against you know what I mean. I'm just a huggy person. Uh, and then a question. The second part was, is your relationship with companies different now that you aren't reviewers, which I guess more applies to me than you based on your careers, mainly being a host. Right. Um, yeah, no. I mean, do you get to partake in more opportunities such as, I mean, like the th- biggest thing about it, Pokemon CEO is I know a lot of people always point now to how different it is with, you know, not being a reviewer or whatever. Remember for me, that started with up at noon. When I when Up at Noon got going and they started selling Up at Noon, I was moved off of PlayStation reviews where I was like, cool, now you are a full-time host so you can be in sales opportunities at IGN and it mm-hmm. isn't a conflict of interest. So it's been the same since then to now, but I would say that 
for the most part, no, the relationship isn't different. I'm still approached and talked to as press. I'm still interact that way. People still understand that I understand what an embargo is. They still know that if I like the game, I'm going to say I like the game. And if I don't like the game, I'm not going to like the game. Mm-hmm. They know, as we've talked about before, with uh, you brought up EA Play and hosting opportunities like that or Borderlands or whatever, that you are hiring kind of funny because you know you're going to get the kind of funny voice, which means that I'm not going to come in and listen to what you have to say this and say that and blah, blah, like no like i'm gonna come in and talk and we're gonna like we're gonna flesh this out together and work to where it needs to be but if i don't like something about it i'm at the when i play the game for review i'm not gonna be like quiet about it or not tell you that i'm gonna tell you that i you know worked on the borderlands 3 event so when my mm-hmm. borderlands review or whatever you want to call it on gamescast discussion comes up that'll be a caveat to it I hope they don't fuck it up because I really like what I played. <laughs> I know, same. I, I think Greg and I are in a, another unique position when it comes to this question as well because of our uh, long history working in traditional games media before we you know, started our own channels and our own outlets. And that's not usually the case with a lot of people. Generally, they start in one or the other and, and they stick in that path. Yeah. Um, but we do get treated differently by certain publishers. Sure. And that's not necessarily... Um, because of the kind of coverage we do, but more so because of the way the law has changed over the last five years. I remember when I worked at Machinima is really when, you know, the um, FCC really started getting involved in what was happening in the digital media space as far as advertisements and sponsorships and disclosures. Um, And since then, in the last five years, it's really picked up. I mean, the law is keeps changing in the way that publishers interpret the law, particularly international publishers that aren't necessarily beholden to all of the laws, particularly in the United States, or they need to manage laws in multiple countries, um, have different sets of standards for influencers, YouTubers, Twitch streamers than they have for traditional games press. And a lot of that has to do with the way that traditional press discloses, the way that they accept money from publishers. Some publishers, for example, will offer to pay for flights and hotels to send media people to a specific preview event so that they can get hands on with a game because they have to control uh, where the builds for the game are. So they can't just send codes out to people. They need to keep it locked down for security reasons. So they have to fly people in to play it at that location. But certain media outlets aren't allowed to accept that travel assistance to go there because it's against their ethics ethics policy. Whereas... You know, most influencers or Twitch streamers or YouTubers can't afford to be paying to fly all over the country to see these games, but they still want to cover them. So they will accept travel um, with the caveat that they, they disclose that they were sent to the event. And all of the like fine print rules about that has gotten really, really difficult to navigate because each publisher has different rules for how they run their events. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, when we talk about PlayStation stuff, right, it's always like, uh, ha, and they get off us FPC. Like, this was sent to us. PlayStation provided, but that's, we've talked about that on the show before. Yeah. Like, how kind of funny is in, for PlayStation, the influencer bucket. So we're mm-hmm. treated like that. Whereas most other people treat us as press, so we don't have to do those FTC because right. you understand that if we're reviewing a game, we probably got the code early and that's how it works, but. Yeah, there are blanket statements. Everybody's trying to cover it as the continuing media landscape changes. Andrew. Yes, Greg. It's time to squat up. All right. <laughs> this is where one of you writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Give me your name, username, platform choice, and why you need help in a video game. I read it here. The best friends come and find you and everybody plays games together today. Jonathan needs help on Xbox. Xbox and I've recently started dabbling in PC with that great game TurboTax. His Xbox name, that guy, 1185, all one word. I am an easygoing player who the join is in the journey. And I work evening nights, so I am up playing in the wee hours of the night into the morning. <laughs> That's what he says. So if you want <laughs> to talk to that guy, eleven eighteen in the wee hours of the night into the morning, hit him up. That guy, eleven eighty five. What's he play? Nobody fucking knows, but he's on Xbox. Andrea, yes. we ask people watching live on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games to go to kindoffunny.com slash You're Wrong and tell us what we screwed up as we screw it up. Uh, the final, fo- the final boss fight says uh, to put a little English on it is a sports metaphor referring to sports or other play involving a ball means to give the said ball a curve in the air 
Yeah, I mean, so, I knew. I was just playing. No, you didn't. I did. Don't act like you know things. Are you kidding? When because you if you because you, you didn't know you didn't I know. know. So I know. I just thought it'd be off, funny to look. You came off like some kid who just fell off the turnip truck. All I right. Just, I thought it would oh, be funny. The turnip truck. I thought it'd be funny to sit there and act confused and see how you reacted. And e- frankly, Servian it was hilarious. Says the Switch hardware change may be related to the news that Nintendo is switching manufacturing from China to Taiwan due to tariffs imposed by the U.S. government, rather than being an update. And then it has a Taiwanese news article interesting uh ignacio rojas says you can change the switch console to your primary as greg was describing uh omnivision says i game share with my brother and do it exactly as greg stated only problem is with certain games like diablo 3 when you have to log in to even local co-op which checks second account for a copy of diablo 3 otherwise this works exactly as you stated greg there is a three-hour grace period on an online check on the secondary um Kebabs writes in and says, daily reminder for the Lego set voting, kindoffunny.com slash Lego. We are nearly 900 votes, only 100 more for that sweet deadline extension. Oh Everybody go over to kindoffunny.com slash Lego. Vote on the Kind of Funny uh, podcast set to be an official Lego thing that Kebabs designed. Uh, Spencer says, I, uh, I missed a new date, and I usually would say no, but here, I'll give it to you. Twitch cut out a bit for me. Uh, missed a new date and out now for the Vita, so don't skip it, folks. Conga Master Go is out July 23rd in North America and July 24th in the EU but also out today for physical copies on sale at Play Asia as of this writing around 300 copies are left on sale uh, I haven't played Conga Master, Master Go but I did play Kong, Conga Master on the Switch and it was fun so if you need something on your Vita there you go and that's it ladies and gentlemen this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every week on a variety of platforms we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about if you like that, be part of the show. Patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. Watch it live. Twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. Watch it later. Patreon.com. No, YouTube.com slash kindoffunnygames. Roosterteeth.com. Podcast services around the globe. Of course, you can be part of the show. Patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. But you can also watch exclusive stuff over there, like pre and post shows for the Kind of Funny Games cast, which we're doing this afternoon. You can watch us record the PlayStation VR show this afternoon. Basically, if you like Kind of Funny and you want to support us, there's no end to the content today. Andrea. Yes, Greg. Where can people keep up with you? Um, at What's Good Games. We have a fresh episode every Friday. You can find us at youtube.com slash what's good games or wherever you listen to Kind of Funny Games Daily on your favorite podcast app. All right. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. <laughs>